Thank you. You may be seated. Appreciate that. So good morning, everybody. Isn't baptisms like the most fun you can have in church? There's nothing will mess me up emotionally more than listening to the testimonies of someone who's made a a choice to obey. It's just amazing. And uh, getting to preach on signs and wonders is a treat for me. You know, it's one of my favorite topics. And each of these are signs that point to the king, to the kingdom. Last week, Kevin's story, the one he took from John 4, Jesus said to the man who was asking for healing, uh, I'll just read this here, "You, you people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. So that verse has been used sometimes to discourage people from pursuing signs and wonders, and yet Jesus immediately healed the boy, and the end of the chapter ends with saying, and this is the second sign. And so one of the ways, one of the reasons that God heals the sick is as a sign to produce faith and belief, uh, whether it's in the church, but particularly, I think, for unbelievers. So today I want to... Um, and so let me just finish that thought there. So Jesus spoke the truth when he said, you won't believe unless you see a sign. And I think most people want to know that the mess, it's more than the words. They want an encounter with a living God. And Jesus knew that the, the, the persuasion is not a matter of just logic or words, but, but, uh, but signs and wonders persuade. Today, I want to look at another reason that God heals, and that, which, that is compassion. So this is the, in chapter 5. And I believe that God heals simply because he's a good God. He's a good father, and he loves us, and he has mercy on us when we're sick. I don't think God ever causes sickness, honestly. All right, John 5, 2, now in Jerusalem by the sheep gates. Interesting, this is the gate that it's right near the market, and it's the, the sheep went in and out, and market things went in and out. Beside the sheep gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porticos or porches, could have been like verandas, it'd be like a roof where people could sit under in the shade. In these porticos lay a, a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. Now a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. The rest of the chapter, which I won't read, is basically a record of the religious leaders of the day making a big deal out of the fact that this man carried his mat, his bed mat, on the Sabbath. So apparently to them, compliance to their rules was more important than a miracle. And this happens. Even today, I see you know, self-righteous people that doubt the power of God or, are, def- or uh, are offended by it will oftentimes find fault in somebody that's pursuing signs and wonders or miracles or claim to have one. They'll find a fault in that person and use it uh, as a reason to just discard it. But you know, the early church prayed for signs and wonders. So we're told, you know, don't chase them. If God wants to heal, he can but don't pursue them. And yet the early church prayed 
for God to confirm the word with signs and wonders, and they prayed for boldness to be able to speak the word. So I don't, there's nothing wrong with pursuing healing or making a big deal out of it. The, the gospels make a big deal out of healing. Uh, this, this gospel, we've got these seven, you go to, you go to I think Luke, who was a, a medical doctor, makes a big deal out of it, and they all do. But there's, there's, a, there's a passage that always encourages me, because I know there's been discussion in the church as to whether healing is in the atonement. And I don't want to get real theological on you. I know there's various degrees. I've known even some charismatics that didn't believe it was in the atonement. But Psalms 103, verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. It can't get much clearer than that. He forgives your sins and he heals you. Now, I realize healing can, do, can be more than physical healing. That's, of course, included in that. But oftentimes, the biggest hindrance to any of us receiving healing is the question, is it God's will and will he? And we're not always convinced about that and we wrestle about that. So is it God's will or is he fickle? Does he sometimes and not others? You know, it is true that not everybody we pray for all the time gets healed. And I want to start by, by mentioning that because that can be a stumbling block itself. In fact, sometimes that's an argument for pursuing or believing in healing. But I don't, that's, not a, that's not really an argument to, to use the fact that not everybody gets healed as a reason not to pursue a God that wants to heal and does heal sometimes. God told three million Israelites his name, Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord that heals you. So this is under the old covenant. He's saying, I am your healer. And I think, you know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still heals even today. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you the scriptural basis for believing the basis of our, what our faith can rest on coming from the Word of God. I want to examine this miracle a little bit deeper, and then I'll give you some other, uh, some other scriptures. But this takes place in Bethesda. It's a pool in Jerusalem. Cheryl and I visited this pool. It had five porches where the lame and the sick would lay and wait until angels came and stirred the waters up. And as soon as that happened, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to be there when that happened? But the water would stir up and they would jump into the pool and apparently the, the first one or the first couple got healed, but maybe not everybody. So, bait in Hebrew, beth, beth means house. And this was actually translated in Hebrew, it means house of mercy or house of compassion. And you'll notice when Jesus heals, many times he, he, he has compassion. You can tell it's out of his compassion that he heals. I believe that the Father's house is a house of mercy. He's not only a father that loves us, but he has mercy on us when we are in our, our pain and our sickness, whether it's emotional or physical. So here, what's odd about this, uh, we have places, I'll read one later on, where Jesus healed everybody that was there. In this case, he walks into a crowded pool, he picks one person, and he heals them, and he walks out. He, I think he had compassion on this man. This man was, was ill for a long time. It's also a good example for us that, you know, once you start saying, you know what, God, I'm willing to pray for the sick, you can feel overwhelmed by every situation because there's so many. P 
people that have physical needs, and yet God might just want us to pray for a particular person that he may highlight to us. It says that Jesus knew that he was there a long time. I would say by word of knowledge. It doesn't say that, but it seems that that would be the case. But I believe that he had mercy on him. This was this guy's special day. He was He was lame for 38 years. Can you imagine that? The question that Jesus asked him, though, is sort of interesting. He said, do you want to get well? So that could be a a conversation starter, sort of like, would you like to be healed today? But it almost seems like the question is unnecessary. I mean, the man has been laying here for 38 years. He's unable to walk. He can't even help. He can't even, uh, almost said, rich his way in. But some of you know what rich means, right? <laughs> Those that are laughing, I know, know a little Pennsylvania Dutch. But he, he couldn't even pull himself into the pool, even though he was laying right there. He couldn't do it fast enough. 38 years. So I don't know that it's a conversation starter. It might have been that Jesus was asking this to pull him maybe from f- hope into faith. He obviously had hope and belie- he believed that God could heal. Many, many people say, if you ask most Americans, can God heal the sick? They'll say, yeah. But if you, if you go deeper and can we expect him to, that's when we're not sure. And um, he was waiting a long time. Sometimes when we wait a long time and God doesn't heal us, we begin to accept that we, this is probably our lot permanently. And sometimes it is. I, I don't doubt that at all. But it's harder to maintain faith after you have been prayed for a few times, after you've waited a long time, you've had hope, you've had faith, and then maybe it backs down to sort of hope, like I know God can do this, maybe sometime, hopefully it'll happen. But and, and long, long-term sickness can sort of become a part of our identity because we function with it and we learn to adjust in our life. But one of the things I want to convince you of today is that God even heals in those situations sometimes. He healed this man after 38 years. I was in Argentina with Randy the first trip that I took down there to him, and we were in a church um, praying for the sick after Randy preached. And I was praying for people, and I heard a lady scream. And it was one of those blood-curdling screams that you weren't really sure what was happening. And I looked to my right where the scream came from, And here this lady is pointing at the back wall and is starting to draw a crowd. People are gathering around her. And she was reading the text on a sign in the back of the gymnasium. She'd been been blind for nine years. And that night her eyes opened and she screamed when she could see the back and read. Her doctor was there and told us that she had lost her sight because of diabetes and she was totally blind from what he said for nine years. What was interesting is that the next day when I talked to her pastor, he said this lady must have been prayed for a hundred times at least for healing. I thought, wow, she, I don't know if I would go get prayed for a hundred times. I start thinking about this, how discouraging it would be after eight, 10, 15, 20, but 80, 90, 99. This is what he said. Obviously they didn't count them. But the important point here is that even after, even though she pursued healing for nine years and, and, and was not healed, that was her night. That was the night God chose to, to, to heal her blindness. 
Cheryl and I have had a couple miracles. Not everything that I've prayed for for myself or other people has been healed. I'm not even going to attempt to give an explanation for that. I don't think I need to. What I can tell you is I know God heals today. Um, Our first miracle was when we wanted to conceive and start a family. It took us four years. We were doctoring and doctoring. And finally, we had a prayer given to us on a cassette tape. That dates me. Uh, I listened to to it, and I knew. I don't know how I knew, but I knew something had happened. And nine months later, we had a son named David. It's a miracle to me. Um, Here's an interesting story that that illustrates something. I had, in 1997, I had a tumor that was growing behind my ear. And it was getting bigger and it was starting to bother me. I had my doctor, Chip Mershon, look at it at Cornerstone. And he said, well, I'd recommend that we just, you know, cut it out. He said, it doesn't look like anything dangerous, but if it's growing, you probably, sh- you don't want it to continue to grow. And I said, okay. But I, I, I kept thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should just ask God. So there was a man in our church. Um, I don't think he was on the ministry team at the time, but he was a fairly new believer, I think, at the time. And I, but he had told me privately, I sort of feel like God wants to use me in healing. So I remembered this. So I went to him and I said, you got to pray for me because I have a tumor uh, growing behind my ear. So, you know, this was like his first time. I could tell he was all nervous and everything. And he prayed for me and I went on and prayed for other people. It was a ministry night. And uh, when I got in the house after the meeting, I just felt it, and it was like half the size. And it shocked me. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, should I? Um, So the next time he came to the meeting and I saw him, I went up to him. This was Kurt Hilton. And I said, Kurt, you got to finish what you started. I said, you got to pray again. I said, you prayed the first time, and it shrank to half its size. He said, really? He looked at it. And I said, pray again. You know, even Jesus prayed twice. The guy that was blind, and the first time they prayed, the guy just says, I don't know, I see, it looks like trees walking. So he didn't, he had some kind of healing, but maybe not the full thing. This gives me hope to pray twice, or four times, or ten times. Why limit God's ability to do something because we get disappointed? There were other uh, other miracles also. I had one of hepatitis. I was supposed to have a three-week. I was all yellow. My eyes were yellow. And it ended up two days. It ended after two days when a guy prayed for me. And uh, like an hour and a half later, it was just all gone. Uh, there was another time I had an infection in my ear from a mission trip. Uh, you got to be careful about the, the shower water some places. And uh, it, it, the infection stayed for nine months. It was seven rounds of very strong antibiotics barely kept it in check, and it was moving into my mastoid bone behind my, my ear. And they finally said, it's too close to the brain, we need to operate, you need to take the bone out, and that'll, that'll stop it. So I said, well, I'm supposed to go to India, uh, we'll have to schedule it out. So I went to India, Alan Vincent was praying for um, handkerchiefs at the one meeting, so I said, why not? I took one up, got him to pray for it, and I slept on it in my pillow, for the two weeks while I was there uh, around India, I took it from one place to the other. I come back and I had the guy, I had a Jewish doctor in Lancaster, he was an ENT specialist. He scanned me again and he come in and threw his clipboard on the, uh, the side and said, you're one blessed man. <laughs> so he believed, yeah, he believed in God. I don't know if he understands Jesus, but so, so I, I tell those not to boast because I have other times when I've prayed and things, I was not healed, but I've got four 
get to my fingers right. Four, that I know God heals because he healed me. By the way, believing in miracles does not mean that we are discounting medicine. All right? I, I was interviewed by a group of evangelical pastors who were debating whether God still heals today. And they heard about our meetings and invited me to come and interview me. The first question they gave me is, Barry, if you were injured in an accident or sick, would you pray or go to the doctor? And I said, I would pray on the way to the doctor. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't even think about that. It just sort of came out of my mouth. And I was sort of proud of it afterwards because I thought, well, that's a good answer. Um, and that's what we do. I have no problem with medicine. I love doctors. And you know what? Some of the reasons we have medical solutions to, me, to physical problems today. We don't need as much healing in the United States because we have fairly good health care. But there are some things that doctors don't figure out. Some things sometimes they can't. All right. Some people say sickness glorifies God. Well, I don't know. Think about that, really. If, if it glorifies God, why do you go to the doctor? Why don't you just glorify God? I know that's sort of sarcastic, but I'm serious. Others say that God makes us sick to make us better people. First of all, I believe that God can use all things for good for us. And I think that he develops our character through hardship. I, you know, even if, I, believe, I believe sickness comes from the fall of man. I do not believe that God makes people sick. Generally, and I know you can tell me some stories in the Bible. I get all that. I've read it, but I think generally that's not true. But I don't think we need to accept everything that comes our way that's evil just and, and, and then blame it on God because using the sovereignty of God as an easy answer, I don't believe it. I think God has been blamed for way too much by people that have no other better answer than to use the sovereignty of God when they want to. All right. What good father would make his kids sick to make them better? Think about it. Come on. I was with a group of youth one time, and uh, I was making this argument. And I knew they like, they, youth like to be when you shoot straight, and they don't mind sarcasm. So I said, listen, if, if God can make you better by making you sick, why don't you go expose yourself to some smallpox somewhere, and you'll be a better person. We'll see. So I, boy, God, that didn't fly at all. So I know I'm sarcastic, but I'm trying to make a point about the stupid reasons and arguments that we give instead of listening to what the Bible says. All right, I'll stop. You know, there's no shame. If you're taking notes, these are, uh, I'm giving you answers right here. There's no shame <laughs> if you are prayed for and not healed. I mean, you can't heal yourself, can you? Why would it be your fault? And I believe that we need to believe and have faith. That's part of the message here. And I believe that the faith of the person praying makes some difference. But you know what? Ultimately, it's God that chooses and heals. I've seen people, strong Christians, that were in faith totally for healing. And the people praying for them were in faith, and they still weren't healed. Don't even bother asking me why, because I don't have a good answer. But I'm not going to let the stuff that doesn't happen keep me from the stuff that does. So how can you move from hope to faith? How can you move from, I know God heals, but I'm not sure. I think faith comes by hearing the word, by hearing and hearing the word. So I want to show you the single most important verse in Scripture about healing. 
This is from a messianic prophetic passage in Isaiah, the greatest prophet, greatest passage. It is, a, by the way, for an argument here, it is about the atonement. And it says here in verse 4, this is the New American Standard that I'm using, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Now, depending what translation you're reading, it might, the first word might be translated uh, suffering or um, pain, sorrows is, is common. They've debated this. I had four professors that were NIV translators, and they told me, you know, there is translation bias. I believe the Word of God is completely reliable in, its, in everything we need in scriptures, but translators are human and they have their bias. So the, the word for carry is a Hebrew word, nasa, which means to lift off and carry away. It's like the, the scapegoat that they laid the sins on and then chased them out of the camp. So it's like that he's saying that Jesus has lifted and carried our sicknesses. Then the two Hebrew words, uh, the first one is koli, usually translated sickness, not grief or sorrows, but it can mean that. But most places in scriptures, it's sickness. But they made a choice. They had to make a choice. And, you know, if you don't believe that God heals today, that's going to affect the, your choices. And I, I think that's what happened. The New American Standard Version, which is what I've memorized out of, has had it as sorrows for decades until 2020. They changed it, and they finally admitted that E.J. Young was right. It, it means sickness. So now it reads uh, as if healing would be in the atonement. So, and I'll, I'll give you my final argument for, for, for this translation. This is, this is Matthew 8, 16. The New, the New Testament settles this, and I'll tell you how. It says there, Jesus healed all who were ill. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. And it quotes Isaiah 53, 4. He himself took our illnesses and carried away our disease. The translators couldn't do anything with this because the Greek words mean sickness all the time. So here's where Scripture interprets Scripture. It tells us the interpretation so that whatever you want to say about Isaiah 53, you ought to look at the New Testament quote. They couldn't change the Septuagint, so they're stuck with it. All right, 1 Peter 2.24, and we're going to, we want to, I tell you what I want to do. I want to, I want to get you involved in doing this stuff today. You know, we can all do this stuff, Right? Healing is not about a super person that has some kind of weird anointing that prays for you. Everybody can pray for the sick. And this is where we're headed, folks. We're headed for um, God using signs and wonders because I think it's the only thing that's really going to be persuasive. Our logic, our words, our amazing, amazing everything else is not going to do it for, 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 a, for a cynical secular Europe or U.S., for Hindus, for Muslims, but I think a real encounter with the living God will. First yeah. yeah. Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then it adds, for by his wounds you were healed. So I know this is a broad word and it could mean different kinds of healing, but it does place the healing piece right in the atonement right there, in my opinion, anyway. So the, bo the bottom line is, to me, the Father's house is a house of mercy, right? Just like, like, like Israel, when you're sick, you look to that, you look to God for, for mercy, and he has mercy on us. Um, 
It's a house of compassion. It, we don't have to beg. We don't have to uh, even qualify. N none of us deserve to be saved or deserve to be healed. It's just not there. We're not perfect people. And yet God has mercy on us or compassion on us, and he does heal. I think it's God's goodness that is the primary thing that disposes him to heal the sick. And if we can get our brain and our hearts around his goodness, around his willingness to be merciful, it's easier for us to receive. You know, the same way we received salvation, when we got saved, we heard the word and we believed and we received it as a free gift. It's the same way for healing. I just gave you some scriptures. You can wrestle with them if you want, but they're pretty clear. And it gives you a biblical basis to expect that God heals today. So what I want, I want to do is just pray for any kind of illness or sickness or injury. Could be small, could be, if you're like the man that had something for 30 years, 38 years, it, it could be your day. And I want to pray for that, but even if something happened recently. The other thing I want to do is I, I would like to get you all involved in praying for the sick. I have did this before, and I've had people call me up and say, I never prayed for anybody that was sick that they got healed until you did that in the auditorium. And I, I, honestly, I think God likes to show off. I think he likes to give signs and wonders, and he wants to prove, he wants to show his mercy to those who are sick, but he also wants to show to us who are human beings struggling with whether we have what it takes to actually pray for the sick, he wants to show you that you do. I think he wants to surprise you. Is that okay? Who here needs healing today? If you, of anything, just raise your hand, put it high enough so we can, I thought there would be, there's plenty. Okay. So those of you who don't have your hands up, can you find somebody that does? Somebody near them? You can get out of your seats if you want and just put your hands on them and pray for them. You pray for them. You don't need a beg. You just speak to the sickness. Break its power in their body. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come and heal. Let's ask for his power to touch them and heal them. Maybe even say to them, be healed in Jesus' name. Speak to it. Come, Holy Spirit. God of mercy, we ask you. I ask you to have compassion on all those who are ill, that need healing from an injury. Will you show your compassion? Will you confirm the word with some signs? We believe. Help us in our unbelief. I pray for a surge of supernatural faith right now on those praying and those being prayed for. I ask you for your faith, God, to come. Give us your faith in the name of Jesus. Give us your faith. Heal. Heal, God. Heal. In Jesus' name. We declare this house a house of your mercy and of your compassion. See our need and heal in the name of Jesus.